Hey everybody, I'm Chrissy Baki. I'm the hippie Christian who cares, and I am a geek Bible reader, and just somebody who is legit addicted to wanting to know more knowledge and wanting to understand God more. You've heard me say that God always directs me what to talk about, which I don't know, some people probably could find that embarrassing because my podcasts are pretty lighthearted. You know, there's a topic, but I don't dig too deep into it. I try to kind of back it up with what I know and what God tells me, but you know, it's nothing that anybody's going to go away and change the world with. But I hope it starts conversation. I hope it gets people thinking. I hope it brings a smile to somebody's face, um, maybe makes them laugh. Recently went to the zoo and then heard a hilarious zoo joke, which was, what do you do if an elephant eats you? Well, you run around until you're pooped out. <laughs> How funny is that? You know what I'm saying? So here, here's my real deal, is that we often think about John the Baptist as the baptizer, which he was, and we kind of leave it at that. But holy smokes, has that topic and more been woven into this past week and this past few days in a way that I really want to share with you. So welcome to the Hippie Christian Who Cares, and let's talk about John the Baptist. I think most of the time when you think about John the Baptist, because they legit label him the Baptist, we overlook so much of what John's life, very short life, taught us. And yet the baptism part of what he was teaching us, so important, such a wonderful thing, such a necessary thing, and and something that Jesus tells us to do. And so we'll probably get back to that later or not. Um, I think I talked about John the Baptist in another podcast. Sometimes I forget. However, I know I didn't talk about this. But first, back to the baptism thing. It is so important. And I giggle because my friend, one of my best friends in the world, had a swimming pool. It was an above ground swimming pool. So wasn't super fancy or anything like that, but it was a pool. And when it was hot, we swam and swam and swam with all the neighbor kids. And it was similar to that vibe of like Sandlot, like everybody was just buddies and having a good time. And I'm not joking you. I can't tell you how many times we have baptized each other in that pool and not in a way that was making fun of baptism. I think we fully knew that baptism was awesome, but somehow it's just fun to dunk somebody in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And so 
I think Jesus looked down at a bunch of school kids and was enjoying that that was our entertainment. And let's be honest, we're all saved. <laughs> Woohoo! Anywho, back to John, the prophet, because really, that, that should really be his title, is John the prophet, because he came prophesying the Messiah. Interestingly enough, he was also Jesus's cousin. Um, Elizabeth, his mother, had not had a baby and was older. Her husband, Zechariah, was a priest, and he was the priest that got to go into the innermost part of the sanctuary called the Holy of Holies. And when he's in there, an angel comes before him and says that his wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a baby, and this baby is going to be a prophet. And Zechariah like, is like, how can that be? And because he doubts the angel, the messenger of God, he then is um, mute, I guess would be the word. Um, he cannot speak um, until the baby is born and he, and they proclaim that his name will be John. And so that's just a little bit of um, background. But I do want to read to you a little bit about um, John, because in Matthew chapter 3, starting with verse 4, it says, John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Weird, right? Just strange. And I'm busting a gut because... I have now probably mentioned it for like the third or fourth time that um, I'm a fan of The Chosen. And super weird, for some reason, I didn't think I was going to like it. I worry when people take creative freedom. Um, and of course, you're always rubbed a little bit wrong when somebody doesn't describe or depict Jesus like the way you think he should be, or in some of the cases, the disciples, or Mary, the mother of Christ, or Mary Magdalene. Um, but somehow, I wanted to watch the whole thing because I knew I would learn. And I investigated a little bit more in terms of what they say about the parts that are not truly written in the Bible and how they may have, like I said, used a little bit of creative freedom. But the thing that busts my gut so hard is Peter refers to John the Baptist as creepy John. And it's so funny. I find it funny, rude. It's sinful and rude, but let's be honest, humans are rude and sinful. And John is a weirdo. And you know me, 
I love a good weirdo. And at first I'm like, oh man, how come he made him look kind of like creepy John? He's got super scraggly hair and a scraggly beard and he's skinny. And then I'm thinking, well, duh, he eats locusts and honey. Like I'm sure there's not a boatload of protein in a locust. I would challenge anybody to find that out, by the way. And Paul, I know you're going to do it. So there you go. Judy, you probably are too. You probably even know off the top of your super scientific head. Maureen, you probably do too. Anyhow, back to the future. I find the whole creepy John thing super hilarious. So that's why I just wanted to point out his um, camel's hair outfit and leather belt and you know, this diet of locust and honey. And, you know, don't judge people because here standing before these people was somebody that said that Jesus says, this guy is a goat and not like the animal. This guy is like a greatest of all time. This guy is amazing. And so high praise from our king, right? And he didn't say it just because he was related either. It's because John had a heart for Christ. John also was human. And so now I want to talk a little tiny bit about the parts that we typically don't talk about. So I titled this whole podcast, John, More Than a Dunk in the Sea, because we do fixate on the baptism part of John. But here is a guy who is really calling out some hard truths to some prominent people. And the first one is when he is baptism, baptism, when he, <laughs> when he is baptizing folks and he's also preaching and prophesying. And so in Matthew 3, 7 says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Who, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Harsh. And let me tell you, the Pharisees and Sadducees were not happy. Interestingly enough, when you talk about a Pharisee, often people are would be offended. Like if you said, oh my gosh, you're acting like a Pharisee, would be that would be very offensive. The truth is, it's not that different 
than where Christians are at today. In um, on the Bible app of the Chosen, there's these round tables after each episode, and I've started to listen to them and. It had a great point in regards to, like, were the Pharisees and the Sadducees bad? The truth is, no, they were not. But a handful of them were. And it's kind of similar to Christians. Christians are getting a bad rap these days, but probably because there's Christians out there dishing out a bad rap. And John is calling out Pharisees and Sadducees that are doing wrong, that are behaving in a way that isn't appropriate. And we do need to call out inappropriate behavior. I think we have to be very careful of that in the sense that, you know, they always say when you point a finger at someone, you have three fingers pointing back at you the whole um, sliver in somebody else's eye when you have a giant log in your own eye. Continue to check yourself. Continue to check how you are behaving if you claim that you are a Christian. And if you don't claim to be a Christian, keep getting to know God and who Christ is and the Holy Spirit, that is the three-in-one, one God, because that's where you look to understand who God is, not to me or your pastor or your priest or the Pope or Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or anybody else that seems so amazing, like my mom, like Seriously, if you wanted to see Jesus in a human, like there she was. But she made mistakes too, and humans do. So even people like my mom and Mother Teresa and the Pope would say, don't put your faith in me, put your faith in Jesus Christ. And that is, John is saying that to people like, hey, everybody, you need to repent. You need to get rid of your sin. You need to empty yourself out of all the worldliness. <laughs> I wasn't sure what I was going to say, all the world stuff, but the worldliness. It is the stuff that we think we need, that we think we want, that we go out seeking, and that we judge ourselves against or in spite of or whatever. And it causes us all kinds of problems instead of always looking to the Savior who will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And fire refines us. And so John is saying hard, hard stuff. He says hard stuff again, um, a little bit later in his life and definitely towards the end of his life because Herod is wildly intrigued and scared 
at who John is. John is pointing to this Jesus. First, John is has his own disciples, his own followers, and he's, you know, there's a lot of people following him. And it's like, hey, this guy isn't like a real rabbi. Um, you know, he didn't go to, you know, rabbi seminary. <laughs> It's there is like rabbi school, but it was like homeschool situation. But anyways, he they're like, hey, he didn't do all the things to officially become a rabbi. And yet all these people are listening to him. And anytime anybody's gathering around, pointing out problems in the current community and the current world we live in, the people who run the current community and the current world we live in, get a little upset about it. And Herod was the governor. No, the king. Sorry, he was the king. And it was interesting. He really didn't have a ton of authority because the Romans basically give him the job of king and he has to really follow what they say. Um, but he does have authority and um, and he throws it around like crazy. Well, he has taken um, Herodias on as his wife, which was his brother's wife. And that's just wrong. And John the Baptist is like, dude, you can't do this. And it causes some problems later in life. But prior to him being in big fat trouble for that, his disciples are starting to get a little bit stressed out about Jesus and his disciples. So you know that I am an avid Bible reader. And I think why I do it is because, first of all, the book is so enormous and vast and covers so much history and so much knowledge and stuff in it that I learn every time I read it. I also feel like as I get older, as I experience more of life, as I learn more and understand more and hear different perspectives and am open to different perspectives, I think that's important for us. I think sometimes new things are revealed, kind of like not just reading through the Gospels and hearing about John the Baptist and just sort of writing him off as the prophet that points to the Messiah and baptizes Jesus and then baptism becomes a thing, right? And interestingly, again, I'm sorry that I keep bringing up the chosen, but it's just, it's just that God continues to um, connect the dots. And as I say that, I am like connecting the dots with my pointed finger in the air and you can't see it. So just like do that with your own finger right now. And so what the dot that was connected is that as you watch any Jesus movie or series, um, 
the mini series called the Bible uh, that the guy who I think he produced or directed um, Survivor, him and his wife put that out, and it I think it aired on Easter. That was pretty cool too. That had a very 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 beautiful Jesus. I think. I think they nicknamed him Hot Jesus, not even joking. Yeah, he was gorgeous. But the chosen Jesus is also beautiful too and an actual Jewish man. So that's a beautiful thing. Anyways, I may have lost my point. I didn't. Just kidding. Is that when you watch sort of it being played out, you can sort of understand that for these people, this is live and in color and first ever. So their understanding isn't like ours or like the understanding that I just explained where this is what you learned. So the first time you might read the Bible, you are looking at a perspective from maybe a Sunday schooler or a vacation Bible school goer, or just the things that you've heard in life, or maybe from some sermons that you went to or whatever. For the people living it, what they have to draw on is the whole Old Testament. And for Jewish people, it is called the Torah. There is a similarity of Old Testament books and what's in the Torah. And so they are reading that scripture and they're not even reading it because they don't have a copy of it. Rabbis have these scrolls. And um, so like if you wanted sort of like a copy of the scripture, you're memorizing it and then writing it down yourself, which is crazy, right? I can't even imagine not being able to get my hands on a Bible. I have a sick amount of Bibles because I dig them. And I brought one to Vacation Bible School every day. And I'm not saying this to brag. I just wanted kids to know that this book is so real and so awesome. And it is how we get to know Jesus. It's like, you know, different upgrades of a cell phone <laughs> that we talk to Jesus with, I guess. I don't know, probably bad analogy. But back to where I left off, which was John's disciples. John is has been in the wilderness and he's probably been hearing from God and praying and doing all the right things. And then he comes and starts to preach and telling people that they need to be, they need to repent and prepare for Jesus to come. And granted, many, many of these Jewish humans were fully aware that a Messiah was promised. However, they also were like, yeah, when is he going to get here? Because now we're talking about hundreds of years and they kind of feel a little abandoned. So sometimes they're a little bit salty about it. Ha, huh, no pun intended, because at one point Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. I know, 
Bible humor real bad. But now this guy is coming and he's saying, prepare. And now I can't help but all of a sudden think of Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell. Oh my gosh, so different, but both so awesome. And Godspell starts off with Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord. If you don't know that song, go on Google and just, um, or YouTube and search it is the word I'm looking for. Search Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord, Godspell. Um, I say YouTube because then you can actually watch the video. It's this crazy 1970s version of, um, the Gospels, and I think it's actually the Gospel of Matthew, and it's so good. Anyways, but John is p- telling everybody to prepare for Jesus's coming, and by doing so, clean yourself up, wash away your sins, and repent. Repent doesn't just mean confess, it means to turn away from. And I think often we just confess our sins and don't turn ourselves away from doing it again and again and again. And part of that is our humanness, but part of it is an effort to try to actually work not to gossip, not to swear, not to cuss not to lose your temper, not to judge all the things. And that's the hard truth that John gives out. And so these disciples, you know, are also helping spread the word because that's what rabbis do. Rabbis teach others and then others go on to continue to learn and then they will teach But it's weird because here's this other guy and he's this other rabbi and he's got disciples and now they're baptizing people and John's disciples are like, dude, that's not fair, is kind of what they say. Um, Let's see. It is in, now that I've switched gospels on you. Now I'm in John and it is. John chapter three, and it is 22. It says after this, and, and it's titled just for the record, John the Baptist's testimony about Jesus. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent time with them and baptized. Now, John was baptizing at Aenon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were constantly coming to be baptized. This was before John was put into prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, well, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. So they're all like super jealous. 
when they probably should have known. Like to us, it's obvious because we know the story, but to them, they're like, hey, look what's going on. And to this, John replied, this is verse 27, a man can receive only what is given him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friends who attend the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it's now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Wow. Like, boy, does John the Baptist, or what I would like to call him today, John the Prophet, get it. He knows what his purpose is. He knows who he's serving, and he is making sure that his disciples and everyone he speaks to knows who the Christ is. And I love how he's saying that the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. Like, he's so happy right now because he has served God fully. And it is probably all that time that he was in this hot wilderness. I don't know if it was hot. Maybe it was chilly. Maybe it was super chilly. But either way, he's like outside in the wilderness. He's got scraggly hair and a scraggly beard. And he wears camel clothes with a leather belt that he probably made himself. And he's eating bugs and honey. The honey's probably delicious, but the bugs, maybe just coats those locusts with bugs. Who knows? Maybe he caramelizes them in a little pan. I say that because I love it when they caramelize on the Food Network. It's so delicious. Anytime you can caramelize anything, mm, I'm not a very good caramelizer though. So maybe the locusts were delicious. I just know that here he says the joy is mine and it is now complete. You know that song. I've got the joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. Joy isn't about your circumstance. Happiness sometimes is. We're happy when we're healthy. We're happy when um, we have money to spare or enough money. We're happy when we have a full belly. We're happy when we have a nice house. We're happy when we have good friends. We're happy and we clap our hands. I couldn't help it. You know, we clap our hands. We stomp our feet. We shout amen. Anyways, joy though is complete when you know your Savior. When you know that despite a diagnosis of cancer, despite having to have surgery, despite a death in your family, despite 
attending a funeral, somebody who is sick, a change in your daily routine, a loss of a job, an offer of a job, a breakdown of a car, a change in the way things happen, road construction, like all those things that sometimes cause you to question what's going on and I'm uncomfortable and this shouldn't be like this or what do I do? I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. Um, I do too much. I have, I'm too busy. And yet when Christ is present, your joy can be complete and even more fully complete when you know that you are accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish. And for John, he was really lucky because he got a word from God and spread it to others. And it really was a complete circle. I don't know that all of us are going to be that lucky, but the ones that are truly understand what John is saying when he says the joy is mine and now it's complete. But I loved this part that said he must become greater, I must become less. I find it interesting that I highlighted it and I didn't know that I highlighted it when I decided that I was going to do this podcast. I always pull out my what I call my super Lutheran Bible. It's called the Concordia Self-Study Bible. It's the New International Version and um, Concordia Publishing House out of St. Louis puts it out. Um, and it is definitely a Bible that is typically used in a Lutheran church. Um, doesn't mean that the scripture changes, but sort of the study notes are through the theology and the mindset of Lutherans. But most of us who love a risen Lord Jesus Christ, a triune God, have more in common than we have different. And so I had highlighted this many, many years ago because he must become greater, I must become less for whatever reason on that day that resonated with me and it would come full circle today in a devotion that um, I have shared with you before. So I am going to read a portion of that. I know I talked about, um, a book called Benedictus Day by Day with Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, and it also says Magnificat on the front cover. Well, I went to the devotion for August 29th, and this podcast will air on August 30th, 
and the title was called John the Baptist's Darkness. And here's what it said. This was the task set before the Baptist as he lay in prison to become blessed by this unquestioning acceptance of God's obscure will, to reach the point of asking no further for external, visible, unequivocal clarity, but instead of discovering God precisely in the darkness of this world and of his own life, and thus becoming profoundly blessed. In point of fact, we cannot see God as we see an apple tree or a neon sign, that is, in purely external way that requires no interior commitment. We can see him only by becoming like him, by reaching the level of reality on which God exists, in other words, by being liberated from what is anti-divine. John, then, even in his prison cell, had to respond once again and anew to his own call for metanoia, or a change of mentality, in order that he might recognize his God in the night in which all things earthly exist. The Christian of our day, too, can be shown no other way to friendship with God than the way of ceasing to look for external clarity and beginning to turn from the visible to the invisible and thus truly finding the Lord who is in the real foundation in support of our existence. Only when we act in this manner does, an does another and doubtless the greatest saying of the Baptist's reveal its full significance. He must increase, I must decrease. John 3.30. We will know God to the extent that we set free from ourselves, that we are set free from ourselves. When I read that today, I knew that the whole John the Baptist and talking about this part of who John was and how he prophesied about Jesus and taught us and through letting his disciples know that our job is done. Like we have pointed people to Jesus and now we will keep pointing people to Jesus and and less to ourselves. At first, we had to bring the attention to ourselves because we had to let people know, hey, this guy's coming. This God is coming on earth to save us. But now we're like, hey, he's here. Go look. And that's our job. Our job is to go and make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we're still doing what John did because it all points to Jesus. There was a moment in John's life when he is put into prison and he's thinking like, you've got to be kidding me. Is this the end of the line for me? And 
by the way, am I doing the right thing? Like Jesus, are you really Jesus? Am I like, was I on point? Like, did I, was the word from God and was I really doing the right thing? And he sends his disciples to Jesus's disciples and to Christ to say, Hey, are you really the one? And he knows it, but in his humanness and in his overwhelm, overwhelmed prison life self, he's starting to question it. And, and, you know, when everybody is looking at you and pointing at you and talking about you and saying it, you start to question yourself. And it is that worldly judgment that somehow we want everybody to like us. And let me just tell you, I always want people to like me. And that's not always such a good thing because it's okay if somebody doesn't like me. Jesus does. And that completes me. And now I can only think of Jerry Maguire right now. You complete me, but it's true. Jesus does complete us. And so we, like John, and probably even worse, are constantly looking for that fulfillment in this lifetime. And sometimes it's even trying to be fulfilled by serving at the men's homeless shelter and um, doing Bible study and going to church. And sometimes you go to church twice on Sunday and then you listen to a podcast and then you listen to somebody else's podcast and then you binge watch The Chosen and then you download the app. And um, and those aren't bad things, but make sure that you are truly connecting it with what all of those things are about. It is about serving our Savior and our Savior who served us and emptying out all of the benefits of, of feeling good by doing all those things along with emptying out all the garbage that we put in so that there's more room for Christ, so that there's more room for us to be made complete and for the joy of Christ. And so that Christ can be the center and that we, that when somebody looks at us, they can't help but see the Jesus in us. So less of me, more of Jesus. If my life was like the scales of like the olden days where you put the weight on one side and whatever you're weighing on the other side and it has to balance, I'm so far off balance he must become greater and I must become less. I have to keep adding on to putting Jesus into my life and pointing people to Jesus in order for that side of the scale to weigh down and so that the other side is lifted up. And it's kind of 
oddly opposite. It's like the more you put Jesus into you, the more grounded you are, the more weighted you are. And the other side is lifted up, which is Jesus is lifted up. But when we put less of Jesus into us, that side is lifted up and the Jesus side is weighted down. And so the attention is on ourselves and not on Christ. And so that's my takeaway is he must become greater and I must become less. I'm telling you, creepy John, the prophet, the baptizer, what an amazing human. He was created in God's image with a plan and a purpose, and he carried it out. He carried it out all the way to his crazy death. Read about that because it's crazy. And no doubt he is in heaven with his cousin Jesus and his Lord and Savior. And I, for one, am going to be excited to meet John the Baptist. Thank you so much for listening today. This episode really excited me and hopefully you learned something. Hopefully you have something to take away. Feel free to share any feedback, any questions, concerns, comments, complaints. Um, You know, try to be kind and nice. Um, But, you know, I'll always take constructive criticism. I want to please my audience. I want you to keep coming back. I want you to share it with your friends. And yet, I want you to also warn them, hey, she's the hippie Christian who cares. But also, who cares what she has to say? Like, let's investigate this ourselves. Let's keep talking about it. I thought this was cool. I thought this wasn't so cool. This was right. This was wrong. Um, Hey, let's figure out um, a little bit more of that scripture and dig deeper. All kinds of good stuff like that. Just keep coming back because I need you in my life. And we all need Jesus, right? Have a great week. Thank you.